We are so thankful. I am so thankful that God is a God of grace. <laughs> that although he has law and he has instruction, and these instructions are perfect and they're pure, and they are the way that we should live our lives, we, I am so thankful that even the instructions where there's a punishment, where there's even a death penalty, if God enacted the punishment for every time I messed up, I would not be here standing before you. In fact, if God was not a God of grace and he enacted the punishment due to humanity every time humanity broke a law, we would be an instinct species. The animals would be roaming around freely, <laughs> not being eaten or killed by us at least. Where are the eggs? We are exactly. So I am thankful that God is a God of, of grace. That he overlooks, in his mercy, he overlooks our sin. And he's always been that way. As great as the characters are in the Bible, and as much as we think that they're very holy people, if God enacted his, the punishment for every time even they messed up, they wouldn't even be in the Bible. We wouldn't be reading about them. So thank you, Adonai, for being a patient God being full of grace, being full of truth, but also full of grace, being long-suffering with us. That is a, that's a word that's really tough to, to live out. Long, and it's a terrible word. Long-suffering. Like, nobody wants to suffer. But now we have long-suffering. But God is the one that's long-suffering. Oh, I hope we don't make him suffer for long. But it really just means that he's patient. He's patient with us. And we're so thankful, and I am so thankful for his patience because we mess it up, we mess it up, we mess it up. There are some examples in Scripture, however, where it seems that God's long-suffering is actually quite short. They're few and far between in the Scriptures where we see somebody who kind of messes it up, and it's almost like that God has a zero-tolerance policy for messing up. Like, they're doing a pretty good job, and then all of a sudden they kind of trip, and God just zaps them from heaven. And in this Torah portion, we, we see one of those examples, or actually two of those examples, and the examples are the sons of Aaron, uh, Nadab and Abayu, that's the anglicized Nadab and Abayu, in Hebrew it would be Nadab and Avihu. So it's a very famous story, like, does everybody know the story, what happened to Aaron's sons? It's, uh, it's um... It was inauguration day for the Mishkan. The tabernacle was put together. It was actually a spectacular day. It's a, imagine like it's presidential inauguration day and some really heavy, heavy tragedy happens on day. Like, like the, God forbid, you know, like the president's children are killed or something like that. Something really tragic happens on that day. It's the inauguration of the Mishkan. The priests are about to enter in their function. They bring their first offering. Aaron gives the first blessing. And fire comes down and consumes the offering. It's just an amazing, amazing day. But then the sons of Aaron decide to just do something which seems to be not a big deal. They just take him some off, they take some incense, they put it in their censer, they wave it before the Lord, hallelujah, zap! Boom! Chakalaka boom! <laughs> off they go. Aaron couldn't even mourn, he had to finish the job. And I, I actually understand that. Sometimes I ask, like, why did they, why didn't Aaron have to finish that job? Or why did you say to Aaron, why, why couldn't you just let him mourn, God? 
And, and God, in, in the, through Moses in the scripture, says like he was in the service. He couldn't stop. He had the anointing oil on him. And I know, I know how that feels when you're ministering to the Lord. And whatever happens, you have to stay connected. You have to finish the job. There's a special connection that we have, all of us have, with God when we're in that ministering time. When he's calling us. When we're on duty. When we're on duty. It's a special connection. And God wants us to have a special connection when we are on duty. And all of us soldiers have times of on duty and we also have times of off duty. We, can, we have times where we can play Call of Duty. We have times where we can make... I'm not even. No. We get times that we are off duty. But when we're on duty, the connection, it's it's actually important for the connection to be to be there and unbroken. The connection. And I know that even as a rabbi. Um, I feel it. I remember the first time, day one. When Susie and I came forth as the rabbi and the Rebbitzin of this congregation. So we was, it was Sukkot, it was after Sukkot, and Rabbi Peter had his last moment as, as the rabbi of the congregation, and he sailed off to the sunset, and now it was the next Shabbat, and it was the first Shabbat for Susie and me to lead worship. And of course, as you would expect, I did not feel qualified, I did not feel worthy, and I certainly did not want the job, and people here know that I did not ask for or want the job, I had to kind of grow into it, you know, and it took a while. But um, anyway, so it was day one, kind of another inauguration day. And I, yeah, I remember walking through the door, and I remember feeling nervous. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this. And Lord, why did you call me to do this? And why couldn't it have been somebody else? Why couldn't it have been Stephanie? Lord, why didn't you raise up Stephanie to be the rabbi of the congregation? Lord, she was such a good elder. Why couldn't it have been Stephanie? Lord, why couldn't it have been Lou and Val? They've been believers for a hundred years. <laughs> Why couldn't it have been then? So here we are, we come through the door, and I just remember what happened. I remember like once I came into the door, just something came over me. The, 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 the linkage to heaven was extremely strong on that day for me. It, I just needed to be there, and God knew that I needed to be in that place. It was one of those things where like people would want to come to me on that day and like congratulate me. But that's a human thing. That's not a divine thing. So I remember very clearly God saying on the day, don't make eye contact with anyone today. Anyone. Just look upward. Don't make eye contact. They're going to bring you right back down. Look at you, the rabbi. Look at what you're doing. You're doing it. You're doing it, Brian. You're doing it, Brian. You know, I, I, God knew that that would happen. And don't pay any attention to anybody. And I just remember that entire service. I was so locked in. It was really like nobody was there. So I recognize those moments when you're on duty to, to have that connection to the general, to the captain. An un, what would be a word where the, where the connection is not disturbed? Like a good word for that. Inseparable. Inseparable. What did you say? Unfettered. Unfettered? Is that a good word? That sounds like a really good word. Unshaken. Unshaken connection. 
And that's where Aaron needed to be. He was on duty. He was on duty. Now his sons get sapped. It, even that, he was not allowed to come off duty. So what did they do? It wasn't so bad. They took some incense. They, they waved it before the Lord. It just wasn't at the right time that God wanted them to do it because the, the, the service of the tabernacle was very prescriptive. It had to be done in a certain way. The tabernacle was designed according to the pattern in heaven, and it could not be adulterated. It had to be precise. It had to be exactly as God wanted it, and instead of being 100% the way God wanted it, uh, Nadab, poor Nadab and Abayu made it 99% what God wanted, and zap, boom, bang, off they go into the cloud of witnesses, finishing their job perfectly in heaven. <laughs> so we know what they did. Didn't seem so bad. But then the question is, like, why did they do it? I mean, these guys were trained up. Like, Aaron was their, was their father. Moses was their teacher. Like, they, they knew what to do. Why did they do it wrongly? And there's a hint in the Torah, which the rabbis, many rabbis, have concluded that this is why Nadab and Abihu, Nadab and Avihu, why they messed up. Because right after this whole sequence, God gives a command. And he says, Aaron, you and your sons, when you're ministering in the tent of meeting, do not drink wine or any strong drink if you're going to do it. So many rabbis, and including me, link those two things together, that that is not just like a random law. Like the Torah is full of many laws that may not seem to be jointed, you know, joined together, like they almost seem random. But I believe, and so do many ancient rabbis believe that there is a relationship between what he said, Aaron and your sons, don't drink when you're going to go in. He connected it with that. Perhaps Nadab and Abihu were a little under the influence. Were a little under the influence. When they went in. And I don't want to give you a, a teaching. This is not about a teaching on drinking on about the legalities or the lawfulness or the holiness of drinking. But I do want to talk about when you're ministering, being under the influence. Because I want to say, let's, let's just take the drinking out of it. They had a job to do from the Lord. They had a job to do, but there was a substance that was influencing their ability to do it right. There was an enmeshment, there was a, an adulteration. Is that, adulter is that the right, adulteration? Okay. Alteration, adult. Of what, they, what God was telling them to do, but there was something else, a substance, that made them do something different. They were under the influence. I believe the spiritual battle of our time with the people of God is a battle for who's influencing you. What is influencing you? How are you being influenced? Are you under the influence? And if you're under influence, whose influence are you under? And what influence are you under? See, being under the influence is not a bad thing. It's just a better matter of what's influencing you. Yeshua was under the influence. He was under the influence 
all the time, he was under the influence of his father. All the time. He said that everything the father does, I do. I cannot do anything that the father doesn't do. What he does, I do. He was completely under the influence. Completely under the influence of his father in heaven. And I believe the battle of our time is what is influence, influencing us. Because the influencers are abounding. In this world, in this time of 24 by 7 news, of 24 by 7 social media, of any Joe Schmo who can put a YouTube video out and, and claim to be an expert or an authority on a thing. And we get sucked into it because it, it, it feels right, because we agree with what they're saying. Do you understand that when you're in line with the Spirit of God, He's not telling you things that you agree with. It's not about what you agree with. But there is influence all around. I believe that once we become a believer, the primary tactic of Satan is to influence us and, revert and divert our attention away from that connection that we're supposed to have when we're on duty. And Paul dealt with that, I believe, a lot with the churches. He was dealing with, they were getting influenced by a Jewish faction that wanted them to get circumcised and have to keep the Torah perfectly and they're not part of the family unless they keep kosher, like we said, like, like we shared, and do all these things. He had to deal with that, which was a falsehood. He had to deal with a, a Greek mindset, you know, that were still idolaters. He dealt with that. They were being influenced by so many different factions. So many different factions. And this is why Paul always wanted to center them on what's important and what is not. And this is a critical teaching of our time. What is important and what is not important? And how are we being influenced? I, I'm a believer. Like I, I stepped away from news. And not that you need to step away from news altogether, but I do want to tell you something. Whichever news station you watch, any 24 by 7, if you go on the news, whichever news station you like, the first thing you're going to see, alert, news flash, breaking, every moment of every day. It's this, and it's fed to you. Over and over and over. And the reason that news stations become biased politically is because what happens is we have our leanings. We have the things that we believe internally. We have the things that kind of, that, 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 that make us who we are, like beliefs and, and, and values. And it'll speak to our values and demonize people who are not, don't, don't have our values. And we feel emboldened and we feel angry. Anybody watch the news and come out of it just feeling really ticked off about the world? Just ticked off. That's influence. That's influence. There's a news station, I don't really watch it, and I don't even necessarily believe it. And it's a terrible news station, by the way. It's called Newsy. You ever hear of it? Newsy. Even the name is terrible. Newsy. Newsy. I only like it because it rhymes with 
But their uh, slogan is to inform, not influence. influence. I don't know if they really do it. But gone are the days of news just to tell you what's going on and let you make your own decision. It all comes with opinion. There's a verse in scripture, it's actually one of my favorite verses, because um, I, I think it's so relevant for today. And it's um, 1 Timothy 1. I, I have to read it because it's so poignant and so pertinent to the time that we're in. And again, Paul dealt with people who were new believers that, they're, that were being influenced so their focus can be pulled to something other than their faith, other than their salvation. Anybody have a, I just don't have one right now. I got a I'll read it. Let me read it. Yep. Oh, thank you. Thank you. 1 Timothy 1. So Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, Yeshua, uh, by the commandment of God our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope unto Timothy. So he's greeting Timothy. All right, I'm going to change the, uh, um, oh, this is King James only. Let's see if I can. You can change it. You want NIV? Um, yeah, something that I can understand. Because uh, reading the King James for me is kind of like me trying to put sign up on the, uh, the lawn. Is it? Well, do you have it? Okay, as I urged you when I went to Macedonia, stay there in Ephesus, that you command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or listen, or devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. And here we go. Such things promote controversial speculations. Does that sound like today? Like everywhere you turn? Rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. I'm sorry, I gotta read that again, over and over and over again. And if all I do is read this and then it's close, it'll be enough. I urge you to command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. Like I can imagine the people, I don't know if this had to do with uh, discussions about Yeshua's lineage or something else. I don't know what they were discussing, but it was a, a waste of time and it was a diversion from what Paul wanted them to focus on. It was, it was, it was useless. It says that such the endless genealogy, such things promote controversial speculations. All I see on every one of your social media, and I'm used to using that hyperbolically, is controversial speculation. That's all I see. Everywhere I turn. Controversial speculation. Rather than advancing God's work, which is by faith. The goal of this command is love, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience. Some have departed from these things and have turned to meaningless talk. They want to be teachers of the law. But they don't know what they're talking about <laughs> or what they confidently affirm. This sounds so much like today. 
Because everybody, so many people, there's so many quote-unquote teachers of laws out there that confidently affirm what they're speaking about. But according to Paul, they don't know what they're talking about. Quote-unquote. And I believe this is the battle of our time. It's the battle of focus. It's the battle of directing your energy on what's important and not on what is secondary. Are you, am I, are we under the influence? 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 May we not be under the influence. Satan wants us under his influence. The world wants us under its influence. And we learned today, it's amazing, like the, the how um, the kosher laws, the dietary laws were even spoken today because that came right after in this Torah portion. The dietary laws were spoken and there could be a connection there also because right after this Nadab and Abayu moment where they did something wrong, God instructs them how to, set, how to make a distinction between clean and unclean. Like a lesson. Like, okay, I'm now going to teach you like a child, like a simple little game. These animals are clean, these animals are unclean. Recognize what's clean, recognize unclean. But even that became like this issue to debate and to judge. And this is something that Paul had to deal with. He said the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. Don't make people stumble. Essentially, if you're keeping kosher, then keep kosher unto the Lord. If you don't keep kosher, then don't keep kosher unto the Lord. You know? Because he was dealing with all these new people that were just out of paganism, and now there's this influence to become like Orthodox Jews. Like immediately. And he had to deal with that. So I pray that we are under the influence, just not under the influence of the world, not under the influence of our thoughts, which can lead us astray, not under the influence of our, of our personal biases, which we're allowed to have, but under the influence of the Holy Spirit and what he's saying. I often wonder what our prayer life would be like if we just shut the TV. What would it be like? What would we pray? What would God be telling us about the world if we actually shut it off for a little bit? I wonder if it would be different. I wonder if our prayers would be different. Not that I'm saying you have to turn everything off. Like it's, it's okay to see what's happening and to seek the Lord on it. So Father, I just pray right now that our influence is you and not anything else. And this is what we learned from Aaron's sons who got zapped for going a little bit astray. Father, we want to hear from you clearly. And please, Adonai, make a distinction within us. Just like the clean and the unclean animals, there was a distinction made. Make a distinction. Allow us to help us to make a distinction between what is of you and what's just of our stuff. And what's just of our mind. And what's just of our biases. And what's just of our um, affiliations? Help us, Lord God, to, to be like you wanted Aaron to be, which is when you give the instruction to not go to the left or the right. We ask this out and I, and I ask you, oh Lord God, to help us to not be under the influence of our anxieties, of our depression, 
Because Satan wants to use these things to distract us. We all get depressed sometimes. We all get nervous and anxious sometimes. But there's a line crossed when we become under their influence. So we break that in the name of Yeshua. And refocus and redirect in Yeshua's name. We have Pentecost coming up. Shavuot coming up. I am excited about not just the event, but I'm excited for the opportunity for Jew and Gentile to come together, for uh, several churches to, God willing, God willing, join with us and celebrate together. And just as a, again, a line in the sand, that it's just been too long for people to stay away and what the world has thrown at everybody this year, it's time to come back. I'm excited about it. And Pentecost is a great example of being under the influence. Amen. Because those believers on that day of Pentecost, on that Shavuot day when the Holy Spirit was poured out, people thought that they were drunk. And they were not as drunk as they suppose, as it says, but they were under the influence. So Father, let us be under the influence, under the influence of the Holy Spirit in all times. Lord God, and help us out of night when we are on duty, when you have us ministering at that moment. Yeah. May that connection be unbroken, yeah. unfettered. Thank you, Lord God. We lift this up to you. Thank you, Lord God. We seek to be under the influence, under your influence only. Under your influence only. And other things that are not of you that seek to influence us, arise which are enemies scattered. In Yeshua's name, amen. amen.